why of the anointing. The why of the anointing. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. Could we look at the verse 1 again? It's so beautiful how the Trinity is portrayed in that verse. I always say that, and we all know that the word Trinity is not in the Bible. You can't find it anywhere in the Bible. It is not there. But the concept, the idea, the meaning is portrayed in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. It says that the spirit of the Lord God, God the Father, is upon me. The spirit, God the Holy Spirit, is upon me. This me here is not talking about Isaiah. It's not talking about Isaiah. It's a revelation that was by the Spirit and it was pointing to Jesus. The reason why we know it was pointing to Jesus because Jesus himself referred this passage to himself in Luke chapter 4, verses 18. So let's start from the 16 to 20. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as his custom was, he went to the synagogue. Bible says that as his custom was, Jesus had the habit of making sure he always found himself in the house of God. Tell somebody, find yourself in the house of God. Bible said that was his custom. That was what he was doing every time. It was his custom. This is for another day. He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Amen. Isaiah is one of the major prophets who saw the days of our Lord Jesus Christ. He saw the life. He saw the ministry. He saw everything about Jesus even before he walked. 700 plus years before Jesus actually walked the earth. Look at the face of your neighbor and tell them, it doesn't matter how long it has taken, that prophecy will come to pass. This is 700 plus years prophecy that was fulfilled 700 plus years later on. It doesn't matter. You are not going anywhere. You are not dying until that prophetic word come to pass in your life. Bible says that Isaiah saw, he's one of these prophets that seemed to, to have seen everything. God revealed to him everything about Jesus. He saw the birth of Jesus. When he wrote in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 that a virgin shall give birth to a son and his name shall be called Emmanuel. He also prophesied about his death. When he saw that in Isaiah chapter 53 verse 5, he says that he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity, the chastisement 
of us, of our peace. Our peace of mind was upon him. Our peace of mind was in his punishment. And by his strife, you and I are healed. So in then in this passage, in Isaiah 61, Isaiah saw the first sermon Jesus would ever preach. The very first sermon Jesus preached. He saw it. And that is in Luke chapter 4. Because the first sermon Jesus ever preached, when he was given the scrolls, this was the sermon that he preached. And Bible says that when he had been given the scrolls, he opened to that place. You know, those, the scrolls, it is not like divided, but he opened to that place where Isaiah had said that about him. Now, he stops reading. Bible says that he stops reading if you go further, and then he hands back the scroll to the minister, and then he sits down, and all eyes were on him. I tried to, I, I, I kind of read about it, googled it, and realized that in the ancient time when the prophet or the, the teacher or whoever is the one who's supposed to bring the word finish reading, everybody is sitting there when they are, he's reading, but then when he's finished, he sits down and then the rest gets up for him to now preach. And the Bible says, so he finished that, he sits down. And all eyes were upon him. But I want us to take note of something. Can we go back to Isaiah 61, verse 1 to 2? You realize that Jesus read the whole of the verse 1 and a small portion of the verse 2. He didn't complete it. He just left it halfway. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has set me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. There is a comma, but Jesus put a full stop. He didn't continue to proclaim that acceptable year of the Lord. So why did Jesus stop reading others? at that place. Why did he not continue? It is because Jesus' coming is in two phases. The first coming, which he already has come, is about grace. It's to give you and I that grace to be able to come to him. And that grace is still available. Jesus is still calling you and I. So if you are here, you haven't given your life to Jesus. This is an opportunity to do that because this grace, the grace is still available. The second bit, which he didn't say, he says that it is about vengeance. It is about judgment. And that is the second coming. We are not there yet. So you and I, this is the time, this gap that we have to take the Lord serious. Amen. That is why he didn't finish. Because if you look at 1 John chapter 12, verse 4, verse 47, he says that I have come into the world not to destroy it, but to do what? to save it. His first coming is about salvation to declare the acceptable year of the Lord. We will look at that acceptable year. But the second bit, 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 to 8, it says that God will provide rest for those who are being persecuted and also for us who, when the Lord Jesus appears from heaven, he will come with his mighty angels in flaming fire bringing judgment on those who do not know God and on those who refuse to obey the good news of our Lord. That is 
the second bit that Jesus didn't read because that point we haven't gotten there yet. And he was, he paused there because he's telling you and I, there is still grace. There is still grace to walk, to accept him as our Lord and personal savior. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me. The word anoint in the Greek is a word that is called creo. It is spelled C-H-R-I-O, but it is pronounced creo. It means to empower, to empower, to equip. So when the spirit of the Lord anoints, you are empowered, you are equipped, you are given the needed tools, the necessary tools that you need to be able to perform a task, to be able to carry out an assignment. Most times in the Old Testament, the word anointing was an upon experience. The Holy Spirit comes upon. Like in the, in the story of Samson, Bible says that when the Spirit came upon him, he became what? Another man. It was an upon experience. When the Spirit leaves, he's, he's just like everyone else. But the Spirit comes upon. But thanks to God that in our dispensation, in our time, you and I, we have a redeemed experience. The Spirit of the Lord is within you and I. First John 2 verse 27 says that the anointing will teach you all things. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need anyone to teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you, the anointing is a teacher. It tells you that the anointing is a person. The anointing said that the anointing will teach you. The anointing is a person. He will teach you all things. And who in the Bible teaches all things? Bible says that the Holy Spirit teaches us all things. So the anointing is not just an experience, it's a person. And Bible says that this anointing will teach you. So we are in that dispensation where the anointing is in us. Bible says that when you receive the Lord Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, you and I were sealed with the Spirit. So every one of us here, if you have received the Lord as your personal Savior, have the anointing in us. It takes the anointing of God to make you who you are. And what you are. The anointing of God makes what is difficult become easy. A few months ago, we looked at the Father, Jesus' ministry, his birth, his teachings, his miracles, his signs and wonders, all was by the Spirit of the living God. You remember that? That his, his birth, his death, everything. He was fully God. He was fully man. Yet he humbled himself. Philippians chapter 2 verse 6 to 8 tells us that though he was God, he didn't think it was robbery. He didn't even find that. That equality with God was something to cling to. Instead, Bible says that he humbled himself. So Jesus in this passage in Luke chapter 4 verse 18, he says that the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Can I have it in the classic amplified? The AMPC classic amplified. So my first question is, what is the purpose? We are preaching together. What is the purpose of the anointing? It says that the spirit of the Lord, this is amplified. I want amplified, the classic amplified. There's a reason why I want the classics. Anybody with the classics? It's usually put, put A-M-P-C. The classics. It says that the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And why? Because he has anointed me. So what is the purpose of the anointing? Let's all preach together. He has anointed me to do what? To preach. 
to preach. To preach. So ask your neighbor, when was the last time you preached? Uh, could you expect an answer and demand an answer? I want to know. Ask them again. When was the last time you preached? What did they say? I know that some of us might be worried. Just, just hearing the word. When was the last time you preached? Because we may be thinking to ourselves, I am not a great preacher. In fact, I do not even know how to preach, where to preach, how, where to even begin. You may be worried that you already have difficulty articulating yourself. How much more preaching the word of God. But you know, you don't have to be a great preacher. You don't have to be the best of the best. All you have to do is tell somebody about Jesus. The name Jesus has power enough to back that word that you are saying. All you have to do, Jesus said in John chapter 12 verse 32 that if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. All you have to do, proclaim Jesus. He will draw the people to himself. You don't have to do that. All you have to do, that is all. There is power enough in that name. The power enough, enough to send the devil packing from your house. To send the devil packing from your marriage, from your health, from your finances. That is all that there is to do. Being anointed has nothing to do with the style of preaching. Preaching does not necessarily have to be behind this pulpit. It doesn't have to be. And it doesn't mean you carry the biggest of the Bible with the biggest of cross around your neck. And then you go above for everybody to know you are. No, that is not preaching. It has nothing to do with it. Preaching is when you go down to Tesco's. When you are walking in the aisles of Asda. And you look for that opportunity for God to bring somebody who will come and ask you something. And for whatever reason, you strike a conversation. And in that conversation, you tell the person, do you know Jesus loves you? That is preaching. It is to the ladies about when you go to get your hair done, to get your nails done, those manicures and pedicures, or to get your eyebrows trimmed. And as that is going on, you strike conversation, which we do all the time. Goodness, that place is a place for gossip. So why don't you just learn to gossip about Jesus? That is the place. That is what preaching is about. You strike that conversation, and then you tell that person that Jesus loves you. Preaching simply means reach out. Tell somebody, reach out. It just means putting your arms around that colleague at work who is going through so much and telling them that God is still in control. You just simply tell them, you know what? God has never lost control. He never once did. And he is still in control in that situation you are going through. That is preaching. Preaching means that your behavior, your attitude, your lifestyle, tell somebody about the God that you are serving. You know there is a saying that your life could be the only Bible someone is reading. It could, that, could, that could be enough for somebody to want to know this God that you are serving. And that is preaching. Preaching does not have to be at a particular place or at a particular time. Every place, every time is an opportunity to preach the gospel. Look at the face of your neighbor and say, don't be quiet. Don't be quiet. 
You are God's mouthpiece. Tell them you are God's mouthpiece. You are an ambassador for Jesus. So the spirit of the Lord comes upon me. And he anoints me to preach. But to preach what? To preach what? I said we are preaching together. To preach what? That is the second question. To preach what? The good news. It says that the good, not just any news. Not just any news. The good news. The good news. The good news. You don't just get up and decide to give any news. But the, the world is not in short supply of bad news. All you have to do is turn the television on. All you have to do is turn the radio on. And there is something bad. You will hear, definitely hear. You don't have to go far. And there, there, it is not in short supply of badness. But in the midst of all this despair, in the midst of all this anxiety, you have to carry good news. You have to. But some of us, we don't look anything like ambassadors of Christ. The words that come out of our mouth, it's almost like you went to a special course, some online course somewhere, to actually learn how to moan, how to complain, how to grumble, how to talk about everything that is not going right. It's almost like some of us have actually certificate, degrees, certificate, um, and all doctorate, everything, the masters in complaining. We've come to the point where we complain about everything and nothing. You cannot stand when things do not go right with you. There is no endurance. We easily give up. But we are children of God, full of the Holy Ghost, tongue speaking, faith declaring, Yet, we carry bad news. That is not what God said. He says, I am anointed to preach. And it is not just to preach anything, but to preach good news. You are not supposed to be carrying bad news about. Philippians chapter 3 verse 6 says that, that I may know him. We like that verse, don't we? And the power of his resurrection. We just enjoy that bit. But we hate the second bit. The one that tells us that pain, rejection, betrayal, criticism, hurt are also part of our walk with God. That the fact that we have to endure is part of it. The fellowship of his suffering. That I will go through whatever I have to go through. And it is a process of me maturing. It's a process of me growing up. We don't like that bit. We like stating the first bit, but there is that fellowship of his suffering. But in the midst of all the pain, in the midst of all the anguish, the criticism, the betrayal, you still have to carry good news. You should have good news in the worst of times. You should be able to see joy where there is sorrow. You should be able to see happiness. You should be able to see excitement. In everything, you should be able to see hope in the spirit. Bible says that Abraham hoped against hope. There are certain things that is going on in your life. It's going on in your family. It's going on in your business, your career, whatever it is. And you know that it feels as if there is no hope. But Bible says that in that situation, you still have to hope. You still see hope because that is what you are supposed to carry. Good news. And the good news is hope. 
the good news is not despair. When all men say that there is a casting down, you don't join them. What you say is, you see, you know it. So why are we not doing it? When all men are saying there is a casting down, that is what you say. When it feels that around, the world around us is sinking, you should be able to say that he is the lifter up of my head. When trouble comes, you should be able to say that he is my present help. In times of trouble, he is my redeemer and he forever leaves. You tell yourself he will come through for me. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter. The one who watches over Israel, that is the God you are serving. He neither sleeps nor slumber. That is the good news you carry. You don't carry despair just like everybody else. You don't carry anxiety just like everybody else. No. You are supposed to be carrying good news. You are able to tell yourself, he will not suffer my foot to be moved. He is my help. When it feels like you are between the rock and the hard place, you can say, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence cometh my help? My help cometh from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. And when your heart feels like it is overwhelmed, you are so overwhelmed with everything. All you have to do is surrender. And he will lead you to the rock that is higher than I. That is higher than every situation, every circumstance. And upon this rock will I build my church. And that rock is Jesus. The good news is Jesus. I said that there is power in that name. Enough. You are supposed to carry good news. Good news. Good news. The good news is telling you that the lines are falling for you in pleasant places. The good news says that you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That is the good news. The good news is saying that I will not die. That sickness will not kill me. That disease is not going to kill me. It, does, it may seem like it is persistent, but trust me, it is not killing me. Because I have to live to declare. You remember the prayer Hezekiah played? He said that God... The dead cannot praise you. That is what, that is the good news. You challenge God on his own word. The dead cannot praise you. If you want me to praise you, you had better heal me. You challenge God, it is your word. It is your word. I will not leave, I will not die, I will live. You're having trouble sleeping because of trouble times. Bible says that, and he puts me to bed. And he causes me to sleep. That should be your portion. That is the good news you are supposed to carry. The good news. It is not that everybody is crying and you are crying. Everybody is giving up and you are giving up with them. That is no good news. You are supposed to be a carrier. That is what the anointing is for. Who is this good news for? Can we go back? Who is this good news for? Who is this good news for? Go back to my main passage, Isaiah. Who is the good news for? He says that he has anointed me to preach good tidings to what? To the poor. 
Another translation says that to the meek, to the humble, the one who is ready to receive it. Even when you feel you've already got it all. You feel like you've already got it all. Someone who is completely and totally destitute, helpless. You sometimes find yourself so helpless, so helpless. You just don't know what to do. The Bible says that the good news is for you. You find yourself at a place where you don't know what to do with the situation. Sometimes you look at what is in front of you and you think to yourself, where are you, my God? Where are you? Bible said at that place, when you find yourself in that place, that is where the good news is for you. You challenge God, like I said, on his word. Because you said the good news is for me. It's for the one who is helpless. For me who at this moment, I am helpless. I am destitute. I have nowhere to turn. It is like there is no help coming. It feels like it. You said the good news is for me. So God, manifest yourself. The good news is for the ones who are not doing well spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, mentally, all the least. That is who the good news is for. It is not for those of us who are self-righteous, who are arrogant, who are proud. No. But Bible says that for those who feel such a hunger and such a test that money cannot buy. There is no amount of money in the world that can buy that. That can satisfy that hunger. That can satisfy that test. Those are the ones that good news is for. The good news says that to bind up the brokenhearted, to heal the brokenhearted. How many of us have been brokenhearted before? Give me a wave. I am not looking. I am not. <laughs> You've been brokenhearted before. Brokenheartedness does not only come to those in marriage and in relationship, you know. <clears throat> brokenheartedness. Psalm 34 verse 18 says that the Lord is near to those whose heart have been broken. We have millionaires and billionaires. People who have traveled the length and breadth of the world, yet they are brokenhearted. I always joke about the fact that the heart is made of flesh. How can it break? How can something that is made of flesh, sorry. It is something that is, this is hard. But there is a brokenheartedness that even if your heart was made of water, it can still break. And Bible says that these are the people the good news came for. Those that need healing. Sometimes you've been hurt to the point that you think there is no coming back. You have been hurt. The good news is so powerful. It targets every people from every social standing, every economic standing, every race, every culture, every tribe, every tongue. It doesn't matter who you are, what you are. The gospel is the only thing that can bind that brokenness. It takes the message of Jesus to come and bind up that brokenness. And to turn every disgrace into grace. To turn every disappointment into an appointment. 
the good news the good news tell somebody the good news bible says that not just that it says the last bit it says that to bring liberty 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 to those who are bound who are in captivity those who are in prison so literally those who are in prison and then those who are in captivity it can be physical it can be spiritual there is something in your life that you are going through this morning i came to tell us that the god we serve he is the good news he is Bible says that the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me. And thankfully all of us have the spirit of God in us. Every single one of us. You have accepted the Lord Jesus as your personal savior. The spirit of the Lord is in you. I want to cut my message short. I'm not going to continue. You want to stand to your feet. Just stand to your feet. I want you to hold somebody's hand. If there's three of you on the row, all three can connect together. If there is two, there's four, I want two. The good news. The good news. You want to ask the person's name before you start praying. If you don't know their name, ask their name. You want to pray for them. I want you to pray for them. That father everywhere this one find themselves between the hard place and the rock. That when they look around there is no help. You want to pray for them the father come to their aid. This afternoon we want to challenge you on your word. Your word that says that when we look up to the hills our help is coming from you. You want to tell God that this my friend, this my sister, this my brother, there is some health issue about them that they need you. The doctors are saying one thing but we believe that you are saying another. We want to stand with the perspective of heaven. We want to look at things from your eyes, from your perspective. We want to see this one the way you see them, not the way the doctor is seeing them. Not what the doctor is saying, not what the economic situation in our time is saying. There is something this one is going through and I want to bring them their heart is so overwhelmed is so overwhelmed when they go to sleep all they do is cry this afternoon i bring this one you want to pray for them you want to pray for them you want to pray for them father in the name of jesus le paya sanda ya pa ya setete le paya borobo masanda ya pa ya setete la borobo masende ya pa masanda ya pa has power 
That Bible says that at the mention of that name, every knee bows. And every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. And it is to the glory of God the Father. There is something the person you are holding their hands is going through. You are using them as a point of contact for yourself. As you are praying for them, you are praying for yourself. Because you work in the vineyard of God, God works in yours. You want to pray that Father, whatever devil is in their house, is in their marriage, if it's a young person, is in their life, their behavior, everything about this one, grandchildren, whatever it is, you want to send the devil packing. Bible says that whatever you, it didn't say Jesus, whatever you will bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you decide to lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And Bible says that where two or two agree, when two agree, a matter is established. You want to agree with that person you are holding their hands and you want to say, Father, anything, if it is of the devil, you come against it, you cancel it, you annul it, you uproot it. Whatever you have to do, you are doing it. The thing is that there is a destiny and the devil is trying everything to terminate it. You want to pray for them that this destiny will be made manifest. The world will see this one. It doesn't matter what the devil does. You want to pray for them. Give this one a persevering spirit. Give this one the spirit to endure. To carry on irrespective of, despite of. To just move on. This one, when their strength is weak, oh God, be their strength. When they get to a place where they think they can't go anymore, that is when, Father, you tell them, I'm even about to start with you. This one, Father, may their strength be like that of the lion. You want to pray for them, the Father, strengthen this one, strengthen this one. May this one carry on, despite, in spite of, it doesn't matter what, may they come to know the God that they are serving. May they keep on trusting, keep on believing. May their forehead be made strong like that of the fling. May they carry on. You want to pray for yourself and you want to release the peace of God into your life. You want to release the joy of the Lord. You want to release the sound mind. You want to release goodness, mercy. You want to release turnarounds. You want to release every good thing. Bible says that the lines are falling in pleasant places. You want to release the lines that may they fall, not just anywhere, but in pleasant places. Those crooked lines, you want to just bless yourself. You want to pray the blessings of God in your own life. You want to lose. You want to lose that peace. You want to lose anything that is born. You want to lose it right now. Holy Spirit, every heart that is overwhelmed here, this afternoon we say, lead us. Lead us to the rock, the rock that is higher, 
the rock that is Jesus, the cornerstone. The one who the builders rejected but has become the head of the cornerstone. May we hide under your wings this week. As we go forth, oh God, everything that is broken in our lives, as your word has come, Father, fix it. Anything that is broken, it is your word. You said that you are able to heal, you are able to bind us up. I pray in the name of Jesus that you bind us up, even in Jesus' name. Anything that is order, out of order, Father, put it back in order. As we go out, O oh God, may we go in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that, that same power that raised Jesus from the dead, may it quicken us. May it make us a new being. When our colleagues, when our friends, when our family, when the people around us, when they see us, may they know something is different about us. As we are going forth to God, may something be different about us, even in the name of Jesus. I pray that as we accept this good news, the good news that Jesus saves, the good news that Jesus is able to turn around anything that is out of order, May we be able to go out there. May we tell somebody about this good news. As we go out this week, may somebody hear that Jesus loves them. Give us the grace, the ability, give us the enablement, the capacity to be able to open our mouths. That those in prison, may the doors be open. Even in the name of Jesus, I bless you with all spiritual blessings. May your going out be blessed. May your coming in be blessed. May the food on your table be blessed. May your children be blessed. May everything about you be blessed. Even to the name of the God that you are serving. May glory be your portion. That when we meet again, we will say that this is how far the Lord has brought us. And may our testimonies be multiplied. And all the saints shall shout, Amen. Shall we share the grace?